0: You're wondering if there was supposed to be some video to accompany that audio, right? (laughs) It was beautiful. Welcome to church. And we are a place, as the video or the audio, I should say, was trying to communicate, a place in which God has used, a people in which God has used to bring about impact in the world, and so uh, they recapped a little bit of how the church was used to to help with the with the medical system that we enjoy today. How the church was used to help in in higher education. How the church has has been there to help the poor, to to help the orphans, to help those in need. And we know that as as as, as time continues, that God still wants to work through the people of His church. And so we'll be thinking about that over the next couple of weeks, uh, particularly as we see our opportunity, personal opportunity to, to live lives of impact in our community and in this world. Uh, over the next few weeks, we'll be, we'll be looking at, uh, uh, at, at the theme of impact. Uh, today, thinking about how we can be a part of advancing the kingdom and uh, how God can use us. In, uh, in taking his gospel message uh, in, into our community. Uh, next week, we'll be looking at how we can, how we can uh, engage the culture that is around us. And uh, you almost have to um, uh, keep an eye on the news daily to see all of the changes, all that is happening in the culture around us. And so we'll be taking a Sunday next week, Lord willing, to, uh, to give focus to that. And then the final week in our series will really be taking us out to the park, Bluebird, Bluebird Park, as we look at, at those who impact our community and we honor them. And we'll be having a time to uh, uh, to take the church uh, into the park, to, to fill up that beautiful amphitheater uh, with, uh, with praises to the Lord, to proclaim his word from there, uh, but to also gather with people from our community that might come uh, to the park for a service that might might not uh, come uh, upon first invitation uh, to a church. So I hope that you are are uh, praying for us on that day. It's going to be a sunny day, right? That's what we're hoping for. It was great last year where we, we realized there's always a calculated risk, but, uh, you know that we'll have our worship service that morning, and as part of it, we'll be honoring first responders. And it's something that for months we've been wanting, uh, to, to incorporate in some, some capacity here to, to, uh, to honor those who serve in the police force and the uh, fire, uh, departments and so forth. And it just really seems, particularly with some of the things that have happened in recent days, that it's, it's probably as important now as it's ever been to express appreciation to them. In fact, uh, we went to, uh, to Arkansas last weekend for the uh for the holiday weekend to visit Karen's family and as we were leaving St. Louis uh we were on 55 and there was a uh, there was an overpass that was above us and someone had put a banner of support to the uh, to the police and they were standing up there waving some kind of a of a of a large flag and just really bringing about the idea that we want to support and so wouldn't it be a great time for us as a church family to to uh to to follow the 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 admonition of scripture and honor those who have Places of authority uh, above us in our society and in our community and, and to be able to honor them. And so I hope that you'll come and support that day. Uh, you will want to bring a blanket. We'll be on an amphitheater type uh, setting. And so you'll be uh, will be uh, seated out there. Uh, maybe a lawn chair and some parts of it will work. Or if you have mobility issues, we're going to have a, a section at the top, which is just the parking lot, but it'll be it'll be uh, reserved and you'll have a great view into the amphitheater, but you won't have to, to worry about the terrain. So I hope that that will Uh, discourage you as we as we want to uh, come together to worship God, but to also honor him by honoring those who uh, who serve our community. So that's the next three weeks. And uh, we look forward to seeing what God uh, has in store As I listened to Mark Grossman's message from last Sunday. I hope you were here last week. Did you hear Mark's message? What a powerful, powerful sermon he brought, and I know that it was very sensitive as he talked about locations and names and and so forth. So I won't I won't repeat all of that, uh, and that's why we haven't been able to put it online. Uh, but if you if you missed it and want a copy of it, we can give it to you by CD. But it was just a tremendous message. of uh, I love the description that he used of of people coming to faith in Christ. And then living Christ or living Jesus upon uh, uh, upon the world in which they lived and and how they their lives impacted others and hearing the stories of family members and friends and those who had been clearly hostile to the gospel uh, had come to faith and then themselves living lives that were impacting uh, so many. What a tremendous word of encouragement, and I I hope that you'll get a chance to hear uh, those stories of changed lives. If if you haven't already, I sure appreciate uh, what he did. Uh, this morning we're going to be thinking about impact, as I said, and I want to begin by, by, uh, by just giving a little illustration of, you can probably see the word impact there looking like the Newton's cradle, you know, the balls that, that uh, you can release and it, how it impacts. Uh, you may have one of these on your desk or, or something. If you if you know if, if, if anyone has access to one that's, that's rather large, I'd be interested in seeing it, so let me know, uh, because this is just a great uh, picture for us of, of impact and even the power of, of just one and how it can impact impact, uh, how it can uh, impact others. And so, uh, uh, that'll be kind of a theme for us over the next few weeks as we, as we think about, uh, the power of, of, of one person impacting others. Uh, Kara crisp helps me, uh, with, uh, some of our, uh, video and so forth. And, uh, Uh, some of the uh, uh, PowerPoints that we use, and she came across another Newton's Cradle that I thought was worth bringing, and uh, it's a picture of a playground. Why science teachers should not be given playground duty? (laughs) That that was too good to pass up. Impact, right? (laughs) As we think about impact and this morning advancing the kingdom, I'm reminded that that really is what our vision is all about, uh, on a number of occasions this year, we've gone right back to our vision statement and said, you know, why is it that God has brought us together? And we believe that it is to exalt Jesus Christ, to equip our members for service, and to evangelize West St. Louis County and beyond. You'll see that. You'll see it written. You'll see it over our door frames. It's something that for a number of years has been has been really the impetus of, of, uh, of, of who we are and why we gather. And, uh, you know, we continue to look at ways to... Uh, to advance this strategy by by aligning our ministries and uh, refocusing and reminding one another again, because sometimes we can get sidetracked and, and so forth. But but to look at that vision statement to, to see that it is biblically based, it's it's uh, it's gospel centered, and and it's it's important that we redeclare that uh, on a regular basis. Uh, it, it does beg a question, and that would be you know, are we doing what we? say we are about. And so that's a very introspective question as we look at that statement and say, you know, are we doing that? And I think I think that, that in part we could we could uh, absolutely answer, yes we are, and I think in part we could absolutely say, no we're not. Uh, and so we're going to talk some about that this morning as we think about advancing the kingdom in that piece of taking the gospel to others. You see those three words that jump out, exalt, equip, and evangelize. And certainly the one that I want to focus on this morning would be the third one. You know that in, uh, in February and also in June, I've shared with you uh, what I felt like was a vision for 2015. And that was to really focus on being disciples who make disciples. And in fact, you could carry that on forward by saying, disciples who then themselves make disciples, that that's part of, of what we see happens in the, in the, in the uh, Christian heritage that we all know. In fact, you can trace it all the way back to the days of the disciples to see that it was the idea of disciples who would make disciples who would make disciples and that the influence continues to carry on. Mark, spoke of it last week in his message. We could stand up and give testimony ourselves of how that how that impact uh, has has impacted us personally. Um, but as we as we think today, uh, I want us to look over to the fifth chapter of Ephesians and see that it even begins with a great definition of a disciple. And there's also a call to action that we will find here as well of course uh, thinking about the context paul writes the uh, the letter to the church in ephesus it's titled the book of ephesians a letter that he wrote to the city of ephesus which is really modern day turkey and uh, it was uh, certainly situated at a crossroads of that time. Uh, there were three main uh, arteries connecting east and west, and, and uh, all points uh, coming through uh, that that part of the world. Uh, it was a crossroads also of education and culture, uh, having been influenced by the by the uh, by the Romans, and having a, a sizable library there in the city. But it also had a, a an emphasis uh, in religion as well. It is, it hosted one of the largest temples to Artemis. And uh, you may remember Acts chapter 19 and what happened in the city of Ephesus when the gospel be, uh, began to flourish there. It, uh, it was really a threat against those who worship the false goddess of, uh, of Artemis. And you may remember that one of the silversmiths who, who uh, made some of the idols and, and uh, that were used in the worship uh, felt an economic pressure, didn't he? Because it was hurting his business. And so there was a bit of a riot that is, uh, that is uh, described in Acts chapter 19. And so, you know, I give you that context to just remind you that as he writes this letter back to the church in Ephesus, he clearly remembers, Paul does, the, the contrast of culture, the contrast of darkness and light, the, the idea of people who, who once followed the way of the world now coming to a different understanding, an understanding of the gospel and of Jesus Christ and living for him and how their lives have been transformed and live in contrast, sharp contrast to to uh, the the, the culture around them. And so as we look at Ephesians chapter five, he opens with uh, with verse one uh, that says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And as we think about disciple making or being disciples who make disciples, I think that verse one gives us a nice little definition of what it means to be a disciple. Someone who is an imitator of God, someone who imitates Christ, one who has come to know him and has been changed and transformed by him and now has a new way of walking with him. And so this fifth chapter continues to mark a distinction we'll look at it in greater detail next week but if you jump down to verse 8 you see the transformation that happened it says for at one time you were darkness but now you are light in the lord walk as children of light and so even among the the the, the culture that you've been placed even among the uh the uh, uh the the uh the challenges that we see around us, that they saw then that we see today, even those who can be hostile to the gospel, which Mark clearly uh, described last week, uh, we are still called to live and to walk as children of the light. And if you jump down to verse 15, here's where I want us to emphasize our time today. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we begin in verse 15 and see that there is a call for us to examine our walk, which we know in, in, uh, in, in Scripture, oftentimes the walk is, is a word that's used to describe one's life, the, the direction in which one is, is living life the way in which we are going. He's saying, he's saying, look at that walk, look at that life, and make sure that you are careful with it. And you think about the life that we've been given, the one life that we would want to live with His wisdom, that we would want to live carefully, measuring out year by year, or maybe better, day by day, the direction in which we are going. It's a call here to examine and investigate that which we pour ourselves into, and to be alert that there will be many different ways in which we could become distracted from from our call, and that can happen personally, it can happen individually, but it, it can also happen to a church family that we get get off the off the path for a time, and, and wanting to make sure that we're that we we're, we're we're walking as he would want us to walk, to use the biblical wisdom as it states here in, in verse 15, to be wise and not unwise. And when the scriptures talk about wisdom, it's, it's not just thinking uh, or giving a picture of, of intellectual assent. Well, well, there is a degree of, of wisdom that you could, you could speak of that, that, uh, that does impact the mind. We've looked at that over the last few weeks, haven't we? Biblical wisdom also comes right down to the practical uh, everyday life that we live. And so, uh, so we see here that is a call for us to live with wisdom. I like the fact that in verse 16, he uses the word, um, time. He says, make the best use of the time. Or maybe your version has another word. Is there another word in, other than time in some of the versions that you're reading? Anybody see the word opportunity? opportunity. That's a great translation of that word. I want us to think about this for just a minute because there are a couple of different Greek words that can be translated time in the New Testament. One of them is chronos or chronos. And uh, that's that's uh, the word that, that we use to have Our word chronology, right? That things are in a particular order or sequence. And uh, this idea of of chronology is is speaking of the passing of time. It's 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 uh, an hour and a minute. It's a a second. Uh, that's, That's the word chronos or chronos. But that's not the word that's used here. And so even though the version I read used the word time, that's why it's also sometimes translated opportunity. Because the word kairos in the Greek is speaking more of a season of opportunity. Not, not necessarily measured with a clock or a calendar, but an opportunity, listen to me, that is currently available but will not last forever. That's the kairos opportunity the kairos moment and as as paul writes to 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 the the church in ephesus he's saying he's saying to to take a look at this time to take a look at this opportunity verse 16 and make the best use of it now we could stop right there and just ask god how how could you take this idea of an opportunity and apply it to my life today And it would depend upon the season of life that you're in. It would depend upon the specific opportunities that are around you right here, right now. And you may be able to to, to stop and consider where God is working and how He is opening up things for you and and being able to influence or impact people who are around you. That's that opportunity, that kairos moment, that season of opportunity. And, And Paul is encouraging us To keep our lives uncluttered, to to walk in light, not darkness, to make the best use of the time and live with wisdom, not being unwise. You see how all of this comes into play as we think about the season of opportunity. We can certainly look at it individually. We can look at it as a church as well to see, hey, we have an opportunity. We have a season that's in front of us. Whether it's engaging the culture, which we'll talk about next week, or whether it's, it's it's advancing the kingdom to those who are around us as we consider that this week. These are all opportunities that we have for just a time. And then once that opportunity is gone, it's gone. It's gone forever. And so that, 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 that brings about a thought for us to really carefully evaluate the day and time in which we're living so that we can make the best use of that time. One commentator in, in explaining this word uh, kairos was, was giving it the phrase kingdom opportunities. Kingdom opportunities. Those, those openings for ministry that come up upon us. Knowing that they won't be there forever. We must seize them as we see them. And I believe as a church that they come up. There are people that that, that come through our doors. There are people that we interact with out in the community. There are people that, that live around us in our neighborhood. And in each of those cases, it's just for a time, sometimes a very brief time, in which we can take advantage of the opportunity that is there. Again, our vision in 2015, to be disciples who make disciples. I think we would agree that it's part of the commission that He gave to us, that our Lord gave to us in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, to go therefore and make disciples. Again, touching on the message from last week, you know, hearing the, uh, the, the stories of lives who were changed, of believers who were willing to make a sacrifice for the sake of Jesus Christ and His gospel. What a picture for us of intentional disciple making. And even though it was happening in a very powerful way in that country that he was describing, don't we know that God would also like to see that same kind of transformation happen in our country as well? He'd like to see it in our community. He would like to see the people that we interact with every day. Just as Mark was describing the people on that side of the world, God also cares about the people over here that also need to have the hope that is found only in the gospel. So that's why we must become disciples who make disciples. We must align intentionally the strategy that we have as a church so that we can be disciples who are making disciples. It goes back to the idea of the Kairos moment, that Kairos season to to take advantage of the opportunities that God puts before us. Let me give you a, kind of a positive update, and then one that's not as positive, as we think about where we are as a congregation. Um, I've mentioned this a couple times this year. Um, you know that we're we're coming through what has been, from a uh, from from the standpoint of a, of attendance in our church, a, uh, a a time that has been in decline. And I will be the first to say that attendance numbers don't mean everything. There are, there are times in which attendance numbers have have uh, information that they communicate, but they are worth looking at. Wouldn't you agree? If you have a certain amount of people with you, and then all of a sudden you don't have that number with you, you could ask why. And there could be a lot of reasons for that, but we have gone through that. We've weathered that kind of a season. In fact, uh, I've shown this to you uh, earlier in the year, I think it was June, uh, a, uh, uh, a chart that shows the worship attendance, and uh, there's been you know, a season of decline for five years. And uh, it's not quite as dramatic and looking at it uh, w- with that type of a graph. But, you know, if you look at the numbers, it was a decline of 23% from 2009 to last year. And uh, that's significant. That's something that should get our attention where we say, well, you know, 23% decline in, in a five-year period is, is, is pretty significant. What does that mean? What does that tell us about seizing the Kairos moment, right? Um, and so that's, that's something that's been uh, those, one of those cold, hard facts we've had to to look at. Uh, by God's grace, we've seen, as you see the end of it there, we've seen increase this year. Um, we've seen uh, increase in 2015 that has uh, really come to a point of 13% for one year, which I thank God for that. I'm so happy to see some growth, to see, to see the, uh, uh, particularly with the two worship services that we have, to see them, see them growing and and flourishing to a degree has been, has been greatly encouraging. And in fact, if you look just at the month of August, that's what the last dot represents there. uh, You see that there was even another increase as school has begun. Uh, The month of August, our average attendance was 588 on a Sunday morning. And uh, you have to go back a number of years to be able to find averages that are, that are hitting in that level. And so I share that with you as a word of encouragement. Aren't you glad to see that there's some growth happening? It's, it's encouraging to all of us. And we, 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 uh, we, we love having that, that energy that comes with momentum and, and seeing new faces and, and joining together. Uh, with, with, as uh, uh, Jordan uh, started the service, talking about being like-minded and being one and unified. All of that is so encouraging. And so we want to stop and we want to thank God for that, and we want to thank God for his blessing um, that's good news, but there's another statistic that is a little more sobering, and that happens to deal with the piece of uh, uh, of uh, of our platform that's directly behind me that i've not been to in quite some time. Um, do you know what that is back there right it's our baptistry right and uh i had I had the uh the uh, the idea of, of of, of preaching this message from that baptistry today. And I talked myself out of it because I thought, you know, the, the, uh, the audio is already uh, a challenge sometimes and, and so forth. Uh, I didn't do it. But I thought, you know, what what a reminder to us that we're not using that baptistry as often as I think we could and should. And it's not just that it's a fact of, of, of baptisms and numbers. It's a, it's, a, it's a factor of thinking about lives being changed of people who've come into an encounter with Jesus Christ. Who are going down one path and have been have been brought to the other. Of people who were living lives looking for hope, looking for assurance. And finding it in the gospel of Jesus Christ. People whom we interact with each and every day. And whom I think we could say, if we have a kairos opportunity, that, that kingdom opportunity, it would involve reaching them. And that's a word for me. That's a word for you. It's a word for us together to to not lose sight of that because we could say, well, you know, things are looking better. Things are looking good. We're seeing more people. Things things are 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 are, are, are going well when, with growth. You see more people that are able to to serve and and assist in different ministries and that's all great. But we have to stop and say that part of our commission, a large part of it involves Seeing lives changed by the gospel. And so we don't want to neglect that part of intentional disciple making. And so we've talked this year about expanding our local outreach. To expand our thinking about living here in this community as missionaries. To say, God, we know that we participate in the sending of missionaries to other parts of the world. For the same purpose is why you have placed us here. That it's our role that it's our, it's our privilege to be able to be your ambassadors in this place in which we live. That we get to be the salt and the light. And so uh, I, I used an analogy this last summer about... The trout line that we used on my grandpa's farm. You may have been here that Sunday and remember the story I told about putting the trout line out across the water and, and checking all the hooks overnight and finding the different fish. And in one case, a turtle that got caught up into the trout line. Well, you know, I think that's a good picture of the way a church lives. It's 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 uh, it's it's missional emphasis. And that is that there'll be different hooks. There'll be different opportunities. There'll be some that that may respond to an event like church in the park. Right. But there could be others that would respond to a to a student ministry activity on a, on a Friday night, like the one that took place just a few days ago. There could be others that would respond to an invitation to a Bible study in someone's home, which, Lord willing, we'll be hearing even more about after tonight, as small groups begin in different homes and in different neighborhoods around our community. Uh, we think about things like the Easter egg drop. And uh, having all the people that would come and that we could connect with and talk to. Each one of these are different opportunities. But as we think about them, we must realize that our thinking shouldn't just talk about attractional events. Because the day in which we live makes it necessary for us to also think about the relational side of things. Uh, the, the, the fact that not everyone will come to an event, but... From a relational side, we all have people that God has put into our into our sphere of friendship sphere of influence, in which we can we can uh, uh, build a, a, a relationship with and have that impact, have that influence and uh, If you were here uh, about a year ago, uh, I went through and, and asked people to stand and and uh, stand up <clears throat> when I talk to them about the way in which they came to faith in Christ. you remember that activity? I said, how many of you all went to, uh, to, a, to a crusade or a, a big tent revival and you were saved at a revival and a handful of people stood up? And uh, we talked about how many people saw, you know, a, a, a church service or a sermon on TV or heard it on the radio and you were saved. And again, a handful of people stood up and, and listed a few different ways in which people come to faith in Christ. But then my last question was, how many of you came to faith in Christ because of the influence?" of a friend or relative. And do you remember what happened? Were you here that day? Some of you may remember. Yeah, about 75% of the congregation stood to their feet because that's primarily how God has worked. All those other things are fine. They're all part of the trout line, if you will. But the one that God has blessed and used the most has been through personal relationships Just those natural contacts that happen in the workplace and at school, that happen in the family or in the neighborhood. Those are the ways. And so we as a church have to recognize that. And we have to balance our approach and say, yes, events are good. And we want to have some of those. and We want to do them with excellence because it's a way of reaching out. It's a way of serving. It's a way of of having a, a visible presence in the community. But if we put everything into that basket, we miss out on what may be the most effective way. Of reaching people and making disciples through those everyday relationships, and so we've we've had some challenges. We've we've made some changes to our schedule. Uh, we've we've looked at Sunday nights and using that time a little differently, and, and that hasn't all been easy. And and uh, all the change hasn't hasn't gone as as easy as I'd hoped it would. But they're they're being done to help us realign our strategy with our vision. And one of the one of the things that that we're looking at for the fall is uh, the the fact that Halloween comes on a Saturday this year. And typically we have a nice Halloween alternative that takes place at the church. How many of you all have been to that in the past years? It's been going on for a long, long time. And so as we get into the month of September, we begin making plans. And we have a discussion in the staff meeting about what to do for this year and how to make it uh, effective and how to continue that. And, and in the discussion, someone brings up the idea, well, you know, what would it look like if people used that Halloween evening as an outreach in their neighborhood? What would it look like if, if, we, if, we, if we took that opportunity where people come by our house if our light's on and we get to see people that are our neighbors that only come to our house one day a year, right? How many days a year do people just come and ring your doorbell to say hello, Right? And on that one day, what do we do as a church? Not that it's bad, but this is just what we've done. We've said on that one day where everybody's coming by your house, why don't you come on up over here, right? And we'll do something, which is fine. And I I applaud that. I appreciate those efforts. And and we we, we don't want to uh, uh, cast anything negative about that. But another way of doing it would be to say, why don't we take a year and see what it would look like to stay home and to be intentional And in fact, to be intentionally missional about the opportunity and maybe go to some effort as a church to prepare ourselves for the fact that people are going to be coming by and knocking on our door. What could we do? that could be a measure of light in the darkness on that night. What could we do? To, what could we put in people's hands? What could we do in forms of, of, of building a friendship and relationship? And so you're going to be hearing more about that in the next couple of weeks. But it's going to look a little different for us as a church. Now, we may, we may wrap up and in November say, what were we thinking? Should never have done that, right? But, you know, sometimes you do that. You make changes and sometimes they work well and they were for a particular time. Sometimes it's not. So this year there won't be that party on the 31st at the church. Next year, will there be? Maybe so. But it's worth trying to say, God, can you help us help us look at ways in which we can think differently and see opportunities to reach people with the gospel message? The focus, again, not is not just trying to attract people to this building, but to rather engage people outside these walls. It's very natural. It's very organic. We're going to have small groups starting as well. Some are starting tonight. And there are there are a handful that will be starting uh, over the course of the next few weeks. And it will be exciting for us to see how these small groups that are meeting in homes who are intentionally reaching people that don't come to church. It's a little different way of doing small groups. We've been doing training this summer. We've had three training sessions, and we're going to have another one this afternoon. And you're invited to come and be a part of it if, if you're interested in it. There's information uh, in your bulletin about that. To come back this afternoon. But we're very serious about wanting to equip and be ready to be able to take the gospel message uh, to those who are around us, to be able to look and to think a little differently. In fact, uh, some of the charts and, and uh, teaching and training we've been doing, you'll see over the next couple of slides. I won't stop on these because I've already looked at them, but one of them is called the five stages of spiritual growth to help us look at it, where people are, whether they're dead in Christ. Or whether they're 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 fully mature in Christ, or if they're at a different stage in between, and what their role is, and how we can come alongside, and how so much of what we do in the church is 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 uh, is equipping and teaching those who have walked with the Lord for a long time, whom you might call like parents or young adults, right? Uh, not. Not the chronological age, but but their their spiritual age. They've been walking with the Lord for a long time. But what are we doing to think about those who have not yet come to faith in Christ? Or those who are babies, very young in their faith. That's what the Sunday night... Now, emphasis, these five stages of spiritual growth. And you will see a couple of other diagrams that we've taken time already to look at. And we'll look at again about the disciples wheel and how in each of these five quadrants, how we as a church are to interact, what we can do practically to help move people along the path of Christian maturity and discipleship. I don't know. It's just something that has been on my heart all year and something that I think as I as I as I still evaluate my first year of ministry here and to see where we are, and where we need to go. I just can't get past the idea of us focusing on being a disciple-making church. That if we, if we, if we place this as a value, if it's something that we, that we passionately get behind and, and, and put forth the effort and the, and the time as well as the prayer... Asking for God to work in us and through us. I think that we could have some stories of transformation, which I know have have happened before and may be happening right here under our noses, right? We heard about some last week from another country, and I'm I'm convinced that in the coming months we're gonna hear more and more stories of lives being transformed right here, right here in our own community. Do you think that God can do that again? I believe that he can, and I believe he's looking for people in which he can work and, and, and extend and advance his kingdom through. I thought it was interesting that in the middle of Ephesians five, there was a uh, the fourteenth verse uses an analogy of, of being woke up, and I thought that's that's there in a in a, in a very you know talking about the Kairos moment, talking about uh, about living and imitating God, and then right there in verse fourteen it says, "Awake." O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, how do you apply a verse like that, right? You think about that? I thought, you know, I think that verse is for me so many times. You know, I'm just not focused like I should be. I'm, I'm, I'm just not engaged like I should be. I'm not ready to see those kingdom opportunities that are around me. God, use that in my life. Awaken me, awaken us, allow our church to once again be awake to your opportunities that are around us. That we can be people of impact and influence once again. Because we live among a people and in a time that desperately needs it. I love what Adoniram Judson said when he went to be a missionary in uh, Myanmar, also known as Burma. He lived in 1788 to 1850, and as a young man, he said, I will not leave Burma until the cross is planted here forever. And 30 years after his death, Burma had 63 gospel-centered churches, 163 missionaries, over 7,000 had been baptized and a couple of years ago, when I served with the International Mission Board, I had a colleague who lived and served in Burma. And we were at a meeting together. And I said, talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing there and tell me a little bit about Adoniram Judson. And he said, I see his influence everywhere. That was 2012. Look at the, the dates in which this guy lived. You talk about Impact. It starts with that passion. It starts with that commitment to be the kind of person and the kind of disciple that God calls us to be. I've got another quote from from Judson that I want to use kind of as a closing. And I, I didn't put all of it up on the screen for you, but listen to what he said. He said, A life once spent is irrevocable. It will remain to be contemplated through eternity. The same may be said of each day. When it is once passed... It is gone forever. All the marks which we put upon it will be exhibited forever. Each day will not only be a witness of our conduct, but will affect our everlasting destiny. How shall we then wish to see each day marked with usefulness? It is too late to mend the days that are past. The future is in our power. Let us then each morning resolve... To send the day into eternity in such a garb or such a clothing as we shall wish it to wear forever, and at night let us reflect that one more day is irrevocably gone, and yet indelibly marked. Words of Adoniram Judson. I saw a video clip of a man that was struck by the idea of missions. And if the audio and video cooperate, we'll watch it. And if not, we will uh, conclude with prayer. So let's see if 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 this one works.
1: I guess it started one morning. I was sitting in church, uh, just a regular Sunday morning. And um, the pastor was talking about missions and uh, long-term and commitment and all of these kinds of things and I guess normally that would that would impact me a little bit but this time it was it was different somehow it was like God was pounding on my chest and I just got this huge smile on my face and I was ready I just started looking at my life and asking myself what would it look like for me to be on mission all the time and devote my life to that and become a missionary, I guess. I remember growing up in church that missionaries would come visit. I was just always captivated by their stories. And I knew that there was a a world that was so much bigger than my backyard and that there were people in that world who needed to hear about Jesus. And I just... I've always wanted to get out there and have the ability to to tell people about Jesus and see that transform lives. I just kept hearing the same words, planting seeds, nurture, water, tend, person by person, life by life. Don't wait. You're ready. Just go. I felt like I was of waiting around like is this something that god would call me into and and when would that happen where would i go what would it look like and then all of a sudden it was like this lightning bolt like there it is there it is it's Some help? Yeah, I just uh, gotta put this in there. Thanks. Move out of the top. All right. My name is Bradley Martin, and I am answering God's call to go, and I am a missionary.
0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm gonna ask if you would, before I pray, if you would address the Lord this morning. In the stillness of this moment, ask him to help you identify the kingdom opportunities. Ask him to help you to see what is around you. Would you also pray and ask God to help us as a church to see the kingdom opportunities around us? Father, the history of our church shows us that we are a people that you have worked through. You've worked in and through. And we are grateful for that heritage. We thank you for that legacy of faithfulness. But Lord, may it not breed... May it not breed within our hearts and minds, a season of being comfortable. Lord, may you awaken us today to our call, our call to live, imitating you, living with wisdom, making the most of every opportunity. God, we thank you for one another and we love each other deeply. We thank you for the fellowship that exists within our body. We count it as such a a wonderful gift that's been granted by your grace. And Lord, we pray that this can be an infectious spirit. that would have an impact upon lives that are around us. Lord, break our heart for those who are on a path that will lead them to a Christless eternity. And God, help us to be burdened for the nations. But also give us a burden for our neighbor. Lord, I pray that you will work in us and through us. You will strengthen us. That Father, you will bless the efforts that are continuing to take place. To be your ambassadors. Lord, may we advance the kingdom by Your power and by Your grace and for Your glory. We pray now Your blessing upon the time as we continue to reflect, but also as we give back. We give to You. We give to Your mission. We give to these efforts. And we pray, Lord, for Your blessing now. If it's in Christ's name, we pray. God's people said, Amen.